and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. My name is Joe Scrabbles. I'm joined by Jesse Gomez. Hello. And Matt Persler. Hello. Hello. Uh, we're just going to get right into this. We've all been playing a game called Disco Elysium and we all think it might be the best. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Completely. Uh, it is, if you don't know. I, there's no time. I'm just surprised myself by how quickly I got into this, but I just want to talk about Disco Elysium for ages. <laughs> uh, it looks like an old school RPG, like your Divinities, which yeah. you obviously are a fan of. Uh-huh. Uh, but it quickly reveals itself to be something quite different. It's a different uh, way into the RPG medium. <laughs> it's interesting because th- the thing that I love about Divinity is obviously is it's very much like doing tabletop RPG with a Dungeon Master. Mm-hmm. This is actually probably a closer um, approach to that. So I found out this morning, do you know what the history of the studio is? So Zaum. Yeah. Um, so I've met Robert several times, but I've never actually asked him what he did before this. <laughs> so they, this group of developers started out as just people playing a Dungeons & Dragons campaign together. Right. And, and it turned into a game studio. <laughs> You can't say it's the best game. You've played I an hour. I love it. Listen, it's all about dialogue, and I'm all about that. So, so it. yeah, so that's the, the point. So, basically, I think computer RPGs basically started... I mean, if we're talking about sort of like the modern concept of them, is probably your Baldur's Gate, right, mm-hmm. and your yeah. Ultimates. And the whole idea was is that they very much followed the Dungeons & Dragons style, where you have combat encounters and you have... Uh, times outside of combat yeah. um, which is very much because Dungeons and Dragons as a tabletop RPG has a lot of combat rules mm. and therefore relies a lot on you sort of like getting into scraps Yeah, Disco Elysium is from the other school of thought about how you do tabletop RPGs where it's purely about embodying the role of a person and people don't actually fight all that much in real life, mm. and and, that, and and neither do cops. As much as we play cop games where we get to shoot up like legions of bad guys, <laughs> coppers don't tend to shoot people. And Disco Elysium is a detective story mm. in many different ways, which we'll get into. And yeah. so what it is about is about embodying a detective. And how you do that is where Disco Elysium becomes really interesting because it's set in a world where you can effectively be maybe um rust from true detective you could be <laughs> cooper from uh, twin peaks it's it's got a very sort of metaphysical weird mm. philosophical root in mm, it's yeah. strange this is it so people will have heard classic rpgs and dungeons and dragons and divinity and a certain group of people will have immediately switched off yeah and for sure. I understand that because to a certain extent when I first saw Disco Elysium, I kind of did the same. It's not my genre. Yeah. It's not my field of interest. But the more I saw of this, the more interested I was. And then you played a bit, raved about it, made me go, okay, I've got to play a bit. I raved about it. <laughs> Jesse started playing because of that. Yep. And it is spreading across our office. And it is because this the only other game I've had this year that I've had this reaction to is Outer Wilds and it Mm. is the reaction of I didn't know games could do this yeah for sure like regularly I'm playing this game and going I have literally never seen a game do Mm. what this just did I feel exactly the same I mean I've seen this game a bunch of times at EGX Resed and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and every time I've walked by I've looked at it and I was like I don't care. It doesn't seem interesting just because I'm Fools. not. Yeah, I know, <laughs> yeah. I know, right? And I, I actually feel bad because whenever I walked by, I just didn't really care. I'm not big into RPGs. And the only time I like RPGs is when I get to like decide what my character actually gets to say. And when I get to upgrade that character and he gets to have different options as to what he gets to say. And this game is just all about that. Just yeah. having the breadth of um, like skill tree to decide what I want to say all the time is just awesome. So 
we, I realise, have not described what this game is. Yeah, uh, we've tried to. <laughs> sto- in terms of story, it yeah. is a game in which you play a man who wakes up from what appears to be either a hangover <laughs> or a heart attack or both, <laughs> who has lost all his memories. But unlike most games that deal with amnesia, it's not about finding out what happened. It's about finding out who the fuck you are. Yeah, and that's um, why it's that's why I say sort of like it's a detective story in numerous ways. So basically, the reason why your detective is in Revachol, which is the city that the at least the opening takes place in, yeah. is that there is a man that has been found hung in a tree, and he's obviously been beaten and sort of like killed and hung up in this tree for people to find. That is why your detective is originally there. But actually, the big mystery is, is who the fuck am I? Because you've been there for a week yeah. <laughs> by the time you wake up. Yeah. And so there's an entire backstory of your guy having done some stuff. Mm. Um, the interesting part of this being, A, Revacol, as you may have noticed, is not a real place. <laughs> this is like an alternate 50s in an in a yeah. Earth-like world, yes, but so, not Earth. Yeah, so if I remember rightly from when I've spoken to Zaun before, the setting is Elysium and it is all designed on very real concepts that we have to deal with. Because basically, so Robert Kurvitz, who's the guy that writes it, is not very fond of the way that RPGs deal with social issues because it's always like oh no one likes the elves and it's <laughs> yeah. like well you're clearly trying to say that people don't like other people of different races yeah so that's why like even though the places are called different names and don't look at, like this is set on an archipelago mm. you know this this world is because it's a very european looking place yes. yeah despite the fact that Europea, Europe is not an archipelago. <laughs> um but like your um you quickly meet your um detective kind of partner who's Kim Kasharagi. Yeah, that's it. And um, he is from a place called Seoul, I think. Or his his family was. Yes. Which is obviously sort of like an alternate kind of soul. It's an alternate yeah. career. Mm. But so it is still doing the fantasy elements, but it doesn't shy away from actually what it's trying to tell. And like yeah. racism is a very, very key, key thing yeah. early on. You meet a lot of racists <laughs> yeah. to the point where there's a bit of dialogue that pops up at one point. And we'll get into dialogue because this is the <laughs> yeah. most interesting thing where there was a bit of my guy's brain <laughs> that said... You've met a lot of racists recently, but you think this one's nicer than the last... You like this one more than the last racist. And then the dialogue after that is like, I think the next racist will be the best one. (laughs) It's fucking bonkers. So that's an interesting thing is so... Not mo- in in RPGs. Mostly, your sense of conscious comes from the fact that other people in your party will pick you up on things. Mm, yeah. And in this game, Kim will yeah. pick you up. Like he's quite a straight laced cop. He yeah. knows exactly what he wants to do, and he sort of just wants to get the job done. And he will pick you up on things. But whereas a game like Divinity, your conscience will come from the fact that like another person in your party will go, Are "You sure you want to do that? Like yeah. that doesn't fit in with what I want to do, and I might leave you." In um, in Disco Elysium, <laughs> you are you're basically a schizophrenic, right? Like, you have multiple elements of personality that can talk to you. That's it. I don't know whether... I I haven't worked out yet whether the game is trying to tell me that my guy is, like, definitively mentally ill or whether this is replicating something of, like, ego, super ego it and that you've got warring bits of brain and that you're you're essentially the super ego going, I make the overall decision that creates... What that feels do. to me yeah. like what it, I, I I think there is knowing the way that this game play out. I do think you could build a schizophrenic yes. character. Mm. Yeah, but I think like the basis is is all the components are there. Like, do you want to admit to yourself that you have a personality <laughs> disorder, yeah. or is this like because 
the thing that I find is, is when I read these, I see parts of myself in it. Mm, because yeah. I do talk to myself, which, you know, is, is the sort of thing that maybe I should be admitting on a podcast. <laughs> but, like, there are definitely parts of me as a human being that I keep locked in my head. Mm, yeah. And this is a game that deals with that and forces you to compete with those bits of your brain that maybe yeah. you don't want to admit exist. And so, when we're talking about warring bits of brain, this is a physicalized like mechanic mechanized piece of this game yeah, you, so you essentially have like what a character sheet with like what 20 it's 24 50, yeah 24 things that you can decide whether you want to be an author like what, authority you can focus on that or you can focus on whether you have like tons of like trivia knowledge and other things yeah like that. so th this is the weird thing is you know you make a character sheet in most rpgs mm -hmm. yeah. anyone who's played dark souls knows how many stats there are on this thing this is a similar type of sheet except instead of strength dexterity like all the common things speed, you would expect. The stuff you expect. Yeah. Every single one of these is a piece of your mental state, whether they represent physical or mental aspects. And you so, all interact with them as the story goes on. Yeah, as and well. they are distinct voices in your dialogue. So yeah. you get moments where it's like. Uh, so the, the bit I've been telling people about, because I think it's the best explanation of how this kind of thing works as a dialogue system. Yeah. My guy has high empathy. Mm. So I will very often get prompts saying. Uh, this person is feeling this. You might yeah. not be able to intuit that immediately, but it's like, you should. It, my empathy will tell me, don't push them on this or do push them on this, they'll yeah. be fine. So you had one where it said, basically, this woman won't react badly to almost anything you say. Yeah, so you yeah, can yeah. kind of be as silly as you like with the yeah. dialogue. And by the way, this is basically a comedy game a lot of the time. It's it very, funny, very funny, like yeah. laugh out loud funny. Um, in one bit, there was a 14-year-old kid <laughs> who was being really aggressive with me. Right. And in the dialogue tree, so it, it's popping up, it's like, he's saying, fuck you, you're a copper, you're a pig, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. My empathy pops up, and it's like, empathy, and everything's a stat roll. So it's like, empathy, success. And my empathy goes, he's scared, be nice to him, he'll work yeah. with you if you don't push him. And I'm like, okay, cool. But I'm also high in physical instrument, which is like, <laughs> your kind of perception of physicality the yeah. idea of how strong you are mm. and all of these have little portraits like you'd expect characters to have and yeah. physical instrument is a guy with like a weird pyramid head <laughs> and like really strong abs yeah uh and that popped up and said fuck being nice to him this kid's insulting you you should punch him in the face yeah. <laughs> and so it's my character has multiple characters in him and i'm just making the decision based on those different ones and which ones I like more. And when I decided to be nice to the kid, Physical Instrument came back and said, you're a pussy. <laughs> like, <laughs> you get to tailor exactly what kind of character you want, even though he has a pre-established history, you're yeah. kind of writing a new character for yourself. And, and I've never had that in a game before. It's, it's fucking nuts. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the number of things, I, you, I'm four hours in now. Mm. The number of things I must have already missed in the opening to this game is yeah. astonishing because the number of things I haven't missed that are specifically because of stats I've chosen yeah. is incredible. And so yesterday I had this bit where I was like, the, the way this works is so fun because everything's a dice roll, which means you can change the stats by change the odds by changing your stats, yeah. as you'd expect from something like Dungeons and Dragons. So there's a bit where my guy needed to make a jump from a high ledge to a lower <laughs> ledge, and. That's based on a role called savoir-faire, yeah. which is like your kind of 
athleticism <laughs> sort of but it's your again it's your self-belief in athleticism because yeah. your guy is a fat piece of shit like yeah. that is your state he looks like a being. sad alcoholic mm. yeah is that the one where there's one of the stats is because I really love like when you look in the stat sheet when you're yeah. playing them out there's a descriptor of them which are very much written as fiction yes. rather yeah. they don't really explain to you what they do but they explain the concept of and them and they yeah. also say who they're good for yeah <laughs> like what kind of person or yeah. job are they, those what are is good your for? like what do you aspire to be and yeah. this can yeah. help you is that the one which is all about if you're super into disco <laughs> uh, yeah I think that is yeah because it's like you've got the flair of yeah. a man that's yeah. into disco so the first time I attempted this ledge jump I failed and my guy ran up to the ledge and then like caught himself and was like what the fuck am I doing <laughs> I can't jump off a ledge yeah and so it's it wasn't that he wasn't good enough to do it it's that he didn't believe in himself <laughs> enough to do mm -hmm. it and I realized that what was taking down my savoir-faire was my big-heeled shoes and my tight trousers. Because like, it's not very disco, is it? Yeah. No. So I looked at them, and it was like, and it says, like, minus one savoir-faire. Yeah. I'm like, oh, because you would worry about taking a jump with these high-heeled shoes yeah. on, yeah. and you would worry, you would be able to, you would feel your tightness around yeah, your legs as you tried to jump. So the answer to this puzzle was to take my trousers and shoes off. <laughs> And then there's this wonderful mini scene of him jumping through the air, <laughs> almost naked, yeah. and he, he pauses in midair, and you get this dialogue scene of his brain telling him how cool he looks while he jumps. That's sick. And it's like this long story about yeah. uh, you feel the wind in your hair, and there's another whole stat, which I've got high, called Shivers, yeah. which is like the cold wind in your hair activating stories about the city. I got the exact same thing when I was looking for a broken window it was telling mm -hmm. me about the world outside yeah. just from that. And so, so like cool. shivers kicks in it's like yeah. the wind blows from across the coastline <laughs> and through your hair as you yeah. jump looking graceful in the air and it's like what the fuck is this game? Oh, no. like, it's you know, at the start, so uh, basically the, the game opens with the fact that you've absolutely trashed your hotel room. Yes. Yeah. The, the guy that runs the B&B that mm. you're sort of staying at did you tell him to fuck you when um, he asked, demanded that you paid him? Uh, no, oh, I, I, I just ran away. I rolled a savoir faire success and, yeah. and disappeared into the night. <laughs> right, okay. Except so, all you do is walk across the room and the yeah. guy goes, oh, come on, man. <laughs> so um, I, I think it must have been a savoir faire roll for that. Um, yeah. Because what I did was I dived backwards while flipping the bird, <laughs> but because my roll wasn't high enough, and I did a, it was basically a mixed fail. Yeah. Um. You know, there's the old lady in the wheelchair yes. in the corner. I just yes. collapsed into her and knocked right. her out of the chair. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um. Well, so there are all these sorts of things. The other thing that we haven't discussed, um, which is fascinating, is the concept of the thought cabinet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Have yeah, you yeah. used the thought I've cabinet? I've only used it once. Right. Yeah. So the thought cabinet is basically this game's equivalent of, you know, when you watch Sherlock and he's always talking about his fucking mind palace. Mm -hmm. So what the thought cabinet is, is it's effectively an inventory that you can put specific concepts into and allow a certain amount of in-game time to elapse. And once that has come, you will come to a conclusion about it and you yeah. can commit it to your to your memory, basically. Yeah. So one of the most interesting and diversive <laughs> ideas that you can do with this is um, the the there's a River Hotel has a massive kind of docklands in it, and everybody there is on strike. Like the entire place yeah. has shut down because the union massively rules the place mm. and won't basically let any of its workers do any work. Mm. Um, you need to get into the docks because there's a man in there that you want to talk to about the murder case. The gates are protected by a man called Measurehead, <laughs> who is about a seven and a half foot tall, massive black guy that has, um, he's not a racist, he's what he classes as a race theorist. Right, okay. 
basically, the, there are two ways effectively to get into this, but there are actually more than that because Joe found a way into the docks that was completely different. I yeah. think I found a way into the docks. I, I nicked an ID card of just a drunk guy. There we go. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. This is the Which very... is another way. But yeah. I, I didn't this, do this that. This is the thing, though. It points out, though, that the picture on an ID card looks nothing like me, and the game says, you probably won't get far trying to use this. And I was like, great, I don't know how I'm going to put this to use. Yeah. But this is the thing. It does the RPG thing where there are multiple routes into yeah. every sort of problem. But the most direct route would be through Measurehead. And mm. so you can either try and punch him, which is not going to go well, especially when you're still at that stage very, very hungover. Yeah. yeah. Um, or you can subscribe to his race theory. <laughs> which is that white people are yeah. doomed and are shit. Yeah. Right. Like, so if you want to do that, what you have to do... Which isn't wrong, by the way. Well, <laughs> I do actually subscribe to that theory. <laughs> so to do that, what you have to do is you have to take the idea of Semini's uh, race supremacy and put it into your thought cabinet and then basically go and do something for like three hours of in-game time and it might be even longer than that I, I think that's one of the it. I think the game mentions as well you can read books to pass time in-game too I think I think I saw that in like a loading sure yeah so, so it's important like the there is a time period to the game like for yeah. example like the kitchen only opens at the B&B that you stay at at 1pm yeah. so in-game in time elapses and you'll gradually tick this thing over in your mind. Mm. And then it worms its way in there. And if you accept it, you basically then become a race theorist. You have become a racist. So <laughs> does that stick throughout the entire... Obviously, we haven't got you, that far into the game, but is that a thought you can unsubscribe You to? can spend experience points on trying to forget those thoughts. <laughs> so but basically cool. what you're doing there is you're saying like it is important to put your you don't get a level up very very often and it yeah. is important to put those into things that will make you a better police officer in all of like your you know your your aggression yeah, and yeah, your drama sense. and stuff like that my favorite one so far it's the only one i've found mm -hmm. it's one you're meant to find is kind of the tutorial one so when you reach the corpse you can't get close to it because the smell is so bad that it makes you vomit. <laughs> Great. Um, I haven't even encountered that and yet. And the thought you have to have is called a volumetric shit compressor. Yes. <laughs> the idea being that you need to get your shit together. Yeah. And so <laughs> you get it by having the volumetric shit compressor nice. work through in your brain. But then again, it's like fiction when you read the description mm. of it. And it's a news report about a policeman <laughs> who has his shit more together than anyone ever thought nice. was possible. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. It's so good. So my two favourite thought cabinets that I've had so far is one of them is Superstar Cop. Basically, when you're looking in the mirror as you first wake up and you're assessing yourself. That part's fantastic. Yeah, so as Jesse says, like it's so well described like what yeah. your face looks like. Mm. It's like you are red and blotchy. You clearly haven't had a shave for two weeks. Um, like The game allows you to touch your nose and your tongue and the rest of your face, and it gives this disgusting description of how yeah, ugly this, you are. This guy hates himself, <laughs> yeah. but it's I mad. Mean, you can try and force yourself to like yourself, but at the start of the game, you'll most likely fail. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is one of the things that you can do at that point is, is you can convince yourself that you look like a, a rock star. <laughs> yeah. And this unlocks the chance to put Superstar Cop into your thought cabinet. <laughs> and if you do that, it just starts to bring, like, it reduces all of your logic points down to, like, minus one, I think it is. <laughs> Um, because it's clearly not a logical thing to have, yeah. but it unlocks some really weird things. Like it gives you a quest where you like you desperately need to find a really good tune on a tape. To oh, put, I've got that. Yeah. To put into the B and B has got like a, oh, like karaoke, um, a karaoke thing, yeah. and like you're just obsessed with the fact that you're going to become a superstar. And if you can yeah. just do this one song, you're going to prove <laughs> to people. What kind of song do you need? So I haven't pursued it because I'm so di you know obsessed with other things that so I can I be doing. I think the only song he has in his mind at that point is like a church 
like song that he wants to sing, so, but I wasn't brave enough to go ahead and do it. That's different. <laughs> really? Mine is find the saddest possible song. Oh, right. Like, right. So you're, just your stat choices at the start and your choices in the mirror yeah. seem to affect what song mm-hmm. you can sing that's on the karaoke. Mad. Like, this is... This is 15 minutes into the game. Yeah. yeah. Like, to explain how wild and diverse yeah. this thing is. Like, this is how yeah. much it will I've, change. I've put two hours into the game. I've only spoken to three characters. <laughs> I think I felt like I've done so much. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of overwhelming, well, it, but it's, it's fantastic. It's because every dialogue is... It may not be important to the case, yeah. but it's important to the world. Like, mm. nobody has redundant dialogue. Mm. Everybody has something really interesting. Well, anyone who does have redundant dialogue says it as you walk past. You can't talk yeah, to them. Yeah, yeah, they're not an active um, yeah. back and forth yeah, sort yeah. of thing. There's, like, there's, there's two guys that are down by... Um, they're playing balls in a crater. <laughs> and one of... And it's really interesting because they're two best friends, but one of them is... Um, a soldier from before Revachol got taken over by fas- no by communists. Yeah. So he's a massive fascist. Like he believes in like strong leadership. But his best friend is a communist, <laughs> and like they obviously don't get on on like a very fundamental level. But they're still yeah. really good friends playing balls together. And then it like takes you a while for you to realize that like where they're playing balls is in the crater from when the fascists bombed <laughs> the communists. And like, as you go around, after you've done that, you start to realise, wait, there are bullet holes all yeah. over the walls mm. here, and it's learning about the history of the place. Is that only something you'll realise, though, if you have the stats for Because I feel like there's a lot of times when that can happen and you'll miss out certain things. So there are certain things like, um, I think if you look at bullet holes in the wall yeah. and you don't have a high enough intelligence stat, like Kim will turn up and sort of go oh, well, you know where those are from, right? Yeah. And you're like, no. And it's like, how can you not know the history of this place? <laughs> but I think if you've learned it, for, you can definitely learn things from other people that give you plus bonuses yeah. to the stats that you'll then roll for your understanding. Because something like that happened with my character. There's a, a rather large hole in the fence and then my character started to investigate and then he realized, oh, a car must have crashed through here. And then the game showed me this really in-depth kind of like um, flashback of the car going into it and then the direction it reversed and the direction it like drived in afterwards and it said oh if I follow that direction I might find a clue as to where the car went and you know just investigate so the case of the fence. Your guy's way better than my guy at being a detective. <laughs> well, like- you, say, you say way better so this is the interesting thing so Je- at the start of the game you're given three potential archetypes or you can make your own cop. Yeah. I went for a general kind of thing you- at first I put I think I put three in all of them. Oh so you built your own character. Yeah yeah but just because like I, I, I don't like the thought of my character having like one intelligence but three something else i always start general so then that's the foundation that i can mm-hmm. build upon mm. so i have zero intelligence my cop <laughs> is what's called a sensing archetype right. and basically he is very much like i'm building him akin to a lynchian style character it's very twin peaks and he understands things by sensing and basically talking to inanimate objects <laughs> yeah. and imagining what they say so whereas you've been to that fence and your your cop obviously has that Almost like, you know how... Well, I kind of um, the intuition, like he sees the, the tyre tracks, he knows what direction well, it went in. Well, he's Will Graham from, um, from Hannibal, right? Yeah, yeah. He's able to look at a crime scene and recreate it because he essentially has the intelligence of, you know, the people that committed yeah. those crimes. I've yet to speak to my tie or any kind of object, <laughs> yeah. and I'm yeah. very so upset. <laughs> I, my detective quite frequently has conversations with his necktie. <laughs> yeah, same That's as um, cool. I um So, for example, like, I, I've had bits where I've put my hand on doors and spoken to shipping <laughs> containers in the hope that I'll be able to learn something from it. At the moment, none of that is really working out for I me, learned but... a genuine, genuinely major plot point by just looking at a corpse and imagining having a conversation with it. <laughs> that's, like, that's just fucking amazing. It's so good. 
Um, there's also like none of us are playing this version, but there is an archetype where you can just be a like asshole maniac aggressive cop. I think I like play I, bad I wanna, cop. I want to slowly get into that because whenever I play these games, I always want to be the worst person possible. I just Great. Wanna, <laughs> I just want to be a prick because like it's always fun to be a villain yeah. in a game, in my opinion, anyways. And I want my character to slowly be that. That's why I've been only upgrading my authority because I just want to assert dominance over everyone in the game. <laughs> I think you probably can, except for Measurehead. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the point um, with Measurehead is the other option you can, if you don't want to be a, a racist, you can fight him. It doesn't have a <laughs> combat system like, of a, like it's literally not built. It doesn't have that point yeah. where it goes into turn base. Yeah. Uh, combat is done through dialogue, essentially. It's like you get given options like, what are you going to do to him? Are you going to slam him in the right side of the cheek? Are you yeah. going to do a 360 degree <laughs> flying it, kick? It is that's kind of like Guy Ritchie's uh, Sherlock, Sherlock yeah. where he's describing all the moves he's about to do yeah. like he's planning it out mm -hmm. it's got that element but then to you've it. got that roll percentage like you have 50% chance of yeah. being able to do this yeah. we've talked so much about this game yeah. <laughs> Disco Elysium is out next week on Tuesday yeah. uh, please buy it even, please if, play it. even if you're not a fan of RPGs like me I don't like turn-based combat at least, I, I, at least look into it yeah it is so worth it um, it's on Steam only right at the moment yeah, um, yeah. I very much hope it comes out on other stuff because I would like people to play this. I ge I genuinely think, and I'm only early on, that this will be up up with games of the year for me. It's it's. Just, I'm feeling the same. Yeah, it's uh, astonishing. It's fucking. It's so weird. I can't believe it exists. <laughs> uh, from a game that taxes your mind to a game that taxed my body. Ooh. Uh, I played uh, Ring Fit Adventure yesterday. How did that go? I pulled a muscle. <laughs> <laughs> is that is it really intense? No, it's not at all intense. Oh. <laughs> I'm just really weak. Um, it is. It's a better workout than I thought it would be. Better than what we fit was, which is something I never tried. Yeah, and it's a better <laughs> game than I thought it would be. Sweet. Like okay. I genuinely think I will use it and see if it can get me not fit. Because I will never just, be just fit. Just a bit more active but in your life. Yeah. yeah. It's got like a ninety day program. Did you it's, say? I think it, at least that's how it was. Given to me yeah. by the the preview man. Well, I don't Nintendo know if that's actually give true me or not. A six pack. If I play this game, uh, they'll buy you one. Yes. Okay, so. <laughs> um, they'll implant one in Sweet. you, like those mad dudes in the Louis Through documentary. <laughs> oh, God. But like, if if all you've seen is that mad thing where the guy with the scary eyes talks into the camera at you, it really put me off. Yeah. Like, it's genuinely. Hey, it's just lovely. It's mm. proper Nintendo-y. There's a little silly story. The bad guy is an incredibly buff dragon <laughs> called Drago. When you oh, see nice. him, he's doing like <laughs> when you see when you first meet him, or it's the second time you meet him, when you have your first boss battle with him, mm. he's just doing press ups. Sick. Like it's so silly. Yeah. Um and it's a turn based RPG oh, battle. Okay. So it's where not just every a collection of mini games no, or something like that. There there is a collection of mini games okay. that you can do. But the core mode is you go through worlds by jogging on the spot or, which I really like, and this is a very Japanese thing that I really appreciate, there is a silent mode where instead of jogging on the spot, because that can make noise for your neighbours, yeah. and I have a very thin, I'm on the upper floor. I was going to say, I would piss everyone off if I yeah, tried playing that. It's You do tiny squats instead. That's so you cool. walk by squatting. Um, so you're getting exercise e yeah. anyway. And you move through this world and you can either push on the ring and mm. that shoots out a blast of air that can like <laughs> um knock coins out of yeah. items or break crates and stuff or you can pull and that vacuums in stuff around oh, you and cool. you're walking through and then you meet baddies along the way and then mm. it turns into turn-based battles those turn-based battles 
the attacks are different exercises. Right. So, uh, and they appeared, I'm too early on to know whether this is how it works, but they yeah. seem to have elemental differences based on what kind of exercise they are. Okay, cool. So squats are blue, yeah. whereas an overhead pull, so you hold it above your head and pull the thing, uh, yeah. is uh, red. And then there's like yoga attacks, which are much <laughs> slower, and you're just doing like slow yeah. movements, but still doing attacks. So and like... As you do attacks, they have reps, yeah. and those reps get faster for you to do more damage. So what are the actual peripherals that you're using? What comes like in the box? You get a ring, nice, uh, which has two machine washable grips, Ooh, uh, really which handy, I think actually. is genuinely smart. That is smart. And it, um, your Joy-Con slots into it like the dock on the side okay. of the Cool, so it has like a little click yeah. I would want. And then the other one, uh, the left Joy-Con goes into a strap around your leg. All right, so only one Joy-Con goes on the yeah. ring and, okay. Yeah, cool. so it knows when you're moving your legs and it knows cool. when you're moving your arms. Um, and it's remarkably accurate. Like, it did yeah. quite a long Joy-Con update, and I wonder if the right. firmware is has made it way more I mean, sensitive. it has to be, like, specialized firmware. This is, like, I what? Guess, yeah. Joy-Con Plus, essentially? Well, it's weird. Like, I don't know what they've done, but it feels more sensitive than it ever has before. Yeah. The other cool thing is, at the end of every world... Uh, you can measure your heartbeat on the infrared sensor on the right Joy-Con, and it tells you how much, how taxing that exercise was on you, and then yeah. adjusts values on based on that uh, so that it's keeping you what, at the like right an level. Adaptive difficulty. Yeah. That so sick. so you put in your age, your weight, uh, how much you exercise already, and then it None. adapts the world, <laughs> adapts and and how strong you can push the. Oh, so actually it tests how... It tests your strength This is first. what I'm worried about. Like, how durable is this thing? Because I don't want to spend however much it costs and then fuck out. Well, it feels... I mean, you've you, got you a very high a opinion squish. of your strength, Jesse. <laughs> you're, you're, not fu gonna snap jacked, the, you know? you're not going to snap the thing enough. <laughs> not yeah. unless you've been putting all of your points into strength. I, I definitely have. But, like, yeah. it is, it's surprisingly good. Durable. And also, I, just, I fucking hate exercise and I didn't hate doing this. Yeah. Like... Because it gives you that routine... It, Makes it into a game, and it's just yeah. fun. But, I'm also, from but I am also yeah. like, I am doing exercise. Like we fit, I did it because some of the games were fun. Yeah, this like, I am actually. I came <laughs> out of it. I played about half an hour or so yesterday, yeah. and I came out of it was like, oh, I'm a bit puffed out, and like, I'm sweating, and that's good. And yeah. I was surprised by how much fun I had with that because whenever I go for a run, I feel like I want to die at the end of it, not because <laughs> yeah, I'm out sure. of breath, just because I'm so bored. <laughs> like, I hate. <laughs> Doing exercise, yeah, it's not fun, especially when you have a job like ours, which is you know we sit in our desk either writing or editing and doing better things than running. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised. That's basically it. I think we've got a review coming next week, and I'm cool. looking forward to seeing what uh, actual fit people say about this because <laughs> for me it seems quite good. I wonder. I think we've got someone who actually does exercise reviewing it. So sweet. That will be interesting to know. That's actually useful. Uh, off of stupid games that make you get fit <laughs> what about games where you sit down and do the same thing over and over again destiny <laughs> oh, okay. got a low opinion of destiny there I no i like destiny but you do do the, you do, the same thing you over do and over do again. a lot of the same things over mm. and over again the point yeah um so shadow keep came yeah. out last week didn't talk about it last week because there's never <laughs> any chance to, to play mm -hmm. but um i'm pleased it's out because it's offered an actual good reason to not play borderlands anymore good oh so there we go. Hooray. So nice. I'm off the borderlands, back on the destiny. <laughs> Sweet. Um, so um, obviously, the interesting thing about Shadowkeep is it is we can talk about Shadowkeep, which is the new stuff, but obviously it fits into a much larger mosaic of what destiny is. Hmm. Yeah. So the the new campaign is not really anything to write home about, unfortunately, this time around. It's not, whereas I think Forsaken added like a really solid, interesting campaign. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the benefits you get through Shadowkeep is that it, 
it takes you back to the moon, which we haven't been to since Destiny 1. Right, the wizard okay. came from there. Yeah, and it really plays up to that Does as well. It? Amazing. Yeah, it's proper full on like, oh, the moon's haunted, lads. That sounds <laughs> sick. Into it, into it. When you're playing these campaigns, like, what are people playing for? Is it like, I want to discover this new element to the story, or is it for the encounters Ca- in the game? Campaign is very much, it's about lore. Like, okay, like, cool. You know, sort of like, I do quite like Destiny's lore. I don't think it's told very, very well at all. Okay. But I do enjoy <laughs> sort of being in that world. Yeah. And basically, you are going to the haunted moon. It's full that sound, of... That sounds you know, sick. Uh, there's a lot to do with Crota, who was a big um, sort of boss from the original Destiny, and actually revisiting places that haven't been since that first game, because the okay. moon isn't in um, Destiny 2 until now. Right. And so there is a certain amount of, like, it's an asset flip. Like, <laughs> I'm seeing exactly the same places, but because I haven't been there for so long, I actually quite like it. Yeah. It's got, like, a tinge of nostalgia to it. Yeah. Like, the moon was a good location in Destiny yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and also, there's a lot of that campaign is about, kind of, like, it's to do with nightmares. Mm. And Ooh. some of those nightmares is a case of, like, oh, shit, I fought Dominus Ghoul a couple of years ago, and you're going to have to face up to that. Are they, like, trippy sequences that you mentioned It's sort nightmares? of a bit like where you get bosses that are, like, Echoes of the right. past and stuff okay. like that. So you know that's where like bits what, of crota like comes into or something like that. Mm, not not massively. So okay. my main problem is is that basically the campaign just sort of stops. Oh, oh, it that's does good. then. Yeah, <laughs> does that thing where kind of like um, I did I did a quest and then Eris was just like, oh yeah, that's everything now. See ya. See nice. ya. Great. Um, See you for Destiny Three. <laughs> <laughs> but the the nice thing is is that so um, Shadowkeep does add some interesting elements to it. So um, what you get is in terms of what your end game progression is, yeah. you now get this thing that's basically like the eye ripped out of a vex, cool, which is. Effectively just for dressing, but basically when you level that up, you get different mods. Um, and so it's basically, it's a more permanent sort of modification system yeah. that you're constantly just building. And if you decide that you've built it in the wrong way, you can just spend some glimmer and erase it all and That's then cool. rebuild it. Right. So it's got this constantly sort of like, what kind of character am I building towards? What mods will be useful for me? And using that as just this constant little, I suppose, companion for you that yeah. allows you to, to work out. Um, there's a new armor system called Armor 2.0, which allows you to much <laughs> more detail. Yeah, well, that's what everything <laughs> is in Destiny. It's yeah. always loot 2.0 and stuff like that. But armor is very much more a case of now that like you collect currencies, for lack of a better word, right. and upgrade your armor. So it's very much a case of, do I want to build this set of armor to be really good at PvP, and it will allow me to sort of like right. melt yeah. through shields, and my, mm-hmm. my, you know, my supers will be better. So there's lots of little things that have been put together that just as a quality of life, and I think doubles down on the idea of, I think for a very long time, Bungie was scared of the idea of calling it an MMORPG. Yeah. And I do wonder if a certain amount of that came from Activision. Well, this is it. Does Shadowkeep feel like Bungie loosing themselves from corporate grip? Yeah. How does it compare to what was offered previously now that they're... Essentially so free. I think I think Forsaken is their best moment. Like that is their taking king for Destiny Two, okay. and I think there was a lot more interesting stuff added last year. But I think that's not to say that Shadow Cape isn't interesting. I think what it is is Activision like the idea of big drops each year, and it's yeah. like here's all your stuff. And then things will come from it. I think now they're free from that. It feels like maybe Bungie is saying, you get the first bit of show to keep now, but actually we're going to have more regular, larger drops rather than we having to make this big sort of package that you start with at the start of the year. Because it's now split into seasons. Seasons will cost you 10 quid, basically. Mm. And you don't have to buy them if you don't want them. Or you can... So it's not like 
here's everything up front, pay £50 for it. Yeah. Do you not have to buy them? Because they so, always have that weird thing where it's like you can do some stuff if you own this bit, but not The interesting bits. thing is, so what I find more interesting about Shadowkeep is that it comes on the back of New Light, which is now that Destiny is free to play. I was going to say, is this the best time to jump into Destiny Yeah, too? absolutely. Because the interesting thing about Free Light is it gives you so much for free. Like, I am surprised at how much you get. Basically... Every single mode in the game pretty much is in New Light, mm -hmm. aside from, like, um, there's a new, um, like, horde mode, which is called Vex Offensive. I think that okay. is only for Shadow Keep. But, like, you get PvP, you get campaigns, and you get gambits, and you get strikes, and you get the raids from year one You're as part of New Light. You, you are getting the entire Destiny experience, because I downloaded it yesterday. Yeah. I've yet to play, but I just want to make sure that, because I hate the feeling when you download a game and it's like, oh, you know that bit's locked mm -hmm. off. I feel like I'm missing out and you can see other yeah. players making use of the other stuff. So basically the way that the new season system works is they're effectively battle passes. They're literally laid out like the battle pass. So <laughs> right. you, you've got a free nice. tier and you've got the premium tier. Okay. And if you pay for the season, you get like whatever. I think if they do story content, story is mm. always going to be locked. Like you can only play Shadowkeep story if you've bought Shadowkeep. Right, okay. New Light does not include Forsaken story campaign. So if you're interested in story, then you've got to buy that. And if you're interested in like the top tier exotics, right. you're going to need the actual paid for stuff. Right. But if you're just interested in playing Destiny as a, an experience, like you like playing Gambit, which I genuinely think Gambit is the best thing that Bungie have made since like Halo 3. And what basically. is Gambit again? Gambit is a PvPVE game okay. where basically there are two teams of four in their own independent arenas fighting enemies, picking up what they drop and banking them in a big thing. When you fill the bank, you unleash a, a boss. Yeah. And then it's whoever, which team is first to defeat their boss wins. <laughs> okay. I genuinely think that's the best multiplayer mode that Bungie have come up with since Halo 3. Fair enough. Like, it's a gen and like, you can play that for free. Yeah. Like, if you're not bothered about getting this year's specific exotics, mm. you don't have to pay a penny for it. Because like, that mm. means nothing to me because I've never really played Destiny or anything yeah. like that. And this does seem like the best time to get into Destiny because of how much is on offer. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's the thing I think, like, Shadowkeep has added some interesting things. I don't think, like, if you're even new to Destiny or you're you're still, like, more of a casual player, you know, you're half in, half out, like, Shadowkeep is not a, a necessary thing to play. But you can still go to the moon with uh, <laughs> without buying Shadowkeep because mm. it's now a part of Destiny. It's part of that solar system. You just can't do the story-based stuff. Right, yeah. Plenty of stuff for you to do on the moon. So if you want to go to the moon, basically just download Destiny. Easy. And, and go, yeah. So I think yeah, now feels like a really good time to get into it. From a developer making all the right decisions yes. <sighs> to Ghost Recon Breakpoint, a game I will never play. Yeah, this is this is what's weird, right? Because I tried the multiplayer out first before I ended up playing the final game because me and Alex went to Paris and we tried out, um, I forgot what the mode is called, but basically their PvP mode. It felt really good. It felt really fun level playing field, all that kind of stuff. Then the final game comes out, and it's like the most confused game I've ever played. So the story goes in Ghost Recon Breakpoint is that you and your team of ghosts are going to this island to investigate something, and then a bunch of drones shoot you down. You're, essentially, your entire team dies, you're by yourself, and you're going up against... Um, who plays the Punisher, is it? Uh, John Bernthal. Yeah, so he has his team of what's called wolves, which are like kind of like this elite soldiers that have taken over this island called... Skell, I think, or maybe that's the corporation. Oh, yeah, no, the island's Aroa. Yeah, that's it. Um, but what's really, really confusing is just how the game actually plays. So in the story, you're meant to be by yourself. You're meant to be, you know, like this lone ghost. But at every opportunity, the game wants you to play co-op. 
So you're getting these really annoying UI notifications that like, play co-op when you're in the menu. It's like, you should really be playing co-op when you're playing this game. And I, I don't know why it's done that, because in Wildlands, you had your AI. It worked. Mm. And it's just, it's really, really frustrating how confused this game is, because it wants to kind of be like this milsim, really serious game, but then the AI doesn't live up to that. And as well, there's just so many weird little monetization things. And the game even has a hub, which is really confusing. Cause as in like a Destiny-style tower Yeah, it has a Destiny hub. hub. And the whole story is like, you know, you're like this lone, gruff, white dude with the fucking beard and shit like that. And you're taking down stupid AI. But you go to the hub and you find 50 other gruff, white dudes who are also <laughs> doing the same thing. It's just, it's really confusing. And it's also like Wildlands for its many, many faults, yeah. was at least uh, a game with a vision of what it was. Yeah. Like, it was attempting to turn that Ghost Recon thing into a slightly more open, slightly more... Yeah. Uh, it was military GTA. To yeah. It. And essentially, so, so, like, yeah. almost like a successor to the Mercenaries games exactly. in a certain Basically, amount. Like, it, I mean, not as good as them. No, obviously <laughs> it, not. It has, it has those elements of what you would want from, like, armor, for example. You know, you have all the gear, you get to customize your guns, you get to change up your camo, you get to have your different approach. You know, you can go in guns blazing or you can use stealth and stuff like that. But in this, in, in Breakpoint, it's so weird because the game wants you to play co-op, but the story wants you to be alone all the time. And then it even tries to, through gameplay, so there's this weird thing that you can do. I forgot what it's called. I think it's called guided mode. Mm. So you can either have that on and they go and be like, here's where your objective is, go and do it. Or you can turn guided mode off and they'll be like, if you want to find your objective, talk to this person. They'll be right, like, oh, yeah. this location is north of this creek and you have to but go beyond this that's canyon That's exactly how Assassin's Creed works. Yes. Like yeah. You've yeah. got explorer mode or you've got direct mode. But like <laughs> the problem is, is that the game isn't good enough to hold that up. So there's, there's literally no point playing with guided mode turn off because you're oh, it's so annoying like this game has survival elements but it doesn't go far enough into that either it's just a weird hodge hodgepodge of just like everything from ubisoft games that just aren't working together well this is it and it's also turned itself into a looter shooter because that's yeah. the cool thing to do it's, it's when which completely does down the idea of ghost recon which is yeah. creating your person and like creating a military specialist yeah, now you're exactly. someone who just picks up everyone else's gun it's it's really fucked up because when i was playing the opening i unlocked three hats in a space of an hour <laughs> and all these hats look like shit except each of them had like this hat is rank 10 this hat this hat is rank 12 so it's like I'm obviously going to change the hat to get a better rank, even if it looks shite, just because it's a numbers game now. Mm. And it, that just that's not what the game should be. Yeah, it's, it's weird because kind of like historically, um, Ghost Recon is the um, like rural jungle equivalent yeah. to Rainbow Six. Mm -hmm. And like, imagine if you know Rainbow Six Siege ended up having kind of like, well, you can upgrade you know Jackal's gun for a plus <laughs> ten version. Yeah, or whatever. yeah. And like, also, if Rainbow Six suddenly turned into this like odd open world story based like it just got rid of its, Soul. its yeah. key deal but yeah. like Ghost Recon was a different game yeah, yeah. it was like a f somewhat not totally but somewhat hardcore tactics it's, it's, it's the light milsim experience that console players want just because they can't play games like Operation Flashpoint or Armor just because those don't really exist on console yeah except now you're playing like a shit version of Borderlands <laughs> and it's so weird it's, it's really it's just frustrating because when I played it online, I was like, you know what, I have a really good feeling about this. And then I played the beta and I was like, oh no. And then the final game came out, I was like, this is shit. <clears throat> it's just not it's no good. It's not fun. That's a shame. Uh, I was going to talk about Succession, but we've been going for too long. So I'll talk about <laughs> Succession another time. Suffice to say, it's good. And the theme tune's the best thing that's ever been written. And it won an Emmy and that's good. Uh, <laughs> let's play a game. Inside, it's a UK crew. 
Endless search this week comes from a man called Casey Coleman. I love you, Casey. I like Casey Coleman because his game is odd. I think cool. like I don't know whether this is going to work or not, but I really like the idea of it. So, right. Casey Coleman says, "Hello, fellows," which I like. <laughs> I've come up with an endless search game. I call it Unscripted, but give a shout if you have a catchier title. I like Unscripted. Nice. The concept is that there is a lesser-known internet movie script database. I had no idea this existed. Okay where you can read scripts from films. I have chosen five films with a link and written descriptions for them, That do, and this is where it gets weird, that do not use any of the words that appear in the script. Okay. So huh. he searched for terms that would describe the film, but they can't use any words that was ever used in any of the script for these films. I love films. the dedication and time he's put in, into creating this game. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward. I'm, we're using all of his... <laughs> At the moment, but okay. I'm, if this works well, I'm really looking forward to making my own for this because I, I think this is genuinely up. a great idea. Um, they are ranked from the most vague to the clearest, and the player who guesses them gets more points the earlier they get it. Okay, a completely original format is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he just tells us where the Google Doc is. So let's begin. Oh. Remember, there's a link, but it's. I will say it's a slightly vague link. So <laughs> let's concentrate more on this. There's way more points in this for. So we just uh, need to guess what movie this is. Yeah. Okay. Each one of these is there's five clues, one movie. The clues are short sequences of words, okay. some of which are more comprehensible than others. Sweet. For instance, for ten points for the first film, Warn Skunk Bear defends unique youth. Over the fence. No. Fuck. <laughs> I think that's a really shit animated film. Just remind <laughs> me of it. <laughs> no, not. not I, I got a clue. Culmination ushers Guardians expiration. Guardian of the Galaxy? Well, it won't be because the word Guardian yeah, will be in. No. What I like is that Casey Coleman has either a fantastic vocabulary <laughs> or access to several thesauri. <laughs> <laughs> Culmination ushers Guardians expiration. I can't. I can't think. Breakpoint has broken me. It seems like it's about people dying. <laughs> no. Next no. One. Pigment lacking ally tends geriatric. Final destination. <laughs> Pigment lacking ally tends geriatric. It sounds. Yeah. Like a cryptic crossword, yeah, which I really like. Yeah, no, um, they're not. That, crypt, they're not cryptic clues. Okay, they are literally describing bits of the film. Yeah, yeah, that one sounds a bit more familiar. Yeah, uh, I'm starting to to piece. Go on, what's the? Okay, how many points are we at at the moment? Uh, so it, it starts at ten, it goes mm. down to two. So we're losing two each time. So we're on to four points now. Oh God, elderly psychic executed. X Men. No, this is Logan. Logan. Fuck. There we go. Four <laughs> points. Uh, and the final one was graphic novel discloses champion's former glory. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would have been fairly obvious. But elderly psychic executed, yeah. I think, yeah. is the main okay. one. I like pigment lacking ally tends geriatric. Because <laughs> that, that would be... Um, uh, oh, creepy. That's... Uh, oh, God, what is he called? Tall Stephen Merchant's character. character yeah. <laughs> what is he called? Oh, what is he called? Caliban? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. uh, also, when you go back, 
to check out what the first one was. Worn skunk bear. That's, <laughs> that's like worn yeah. out yeah. Wolverine, yeah. like old Wolverine. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, I think I think you've got the, the yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, okay. For sure. Next film. Oh, so that's four points to Matt. Congrats, Matt. Frenetic energy spurs visuals. Speed? No. It's <laughs> not bad, though. Spider-Man Far From Home? No. Damn. False behaviours portrayed a loft-elevated platform. <laughs> what? <laughs> that, that one's mental, Casey. <laughs> this is insane. False behaviours portrayed a loft-elevated platform. There's a film I want to say. Um, I think it's worth just trying to translate these into yeah, other yeah, words. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm just trying to think if there's like a Fast and Furious film set in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Aloft and the Furious. <laughs> What's that uh, magician film with Jesse Eisenberg? It's not that one. Fuck. What? Uh, what is it now called? You see, now you see, see me. me. Okay, yeah. right. Very bad. Yeah. Next one? Yes. For six points. Dysfunctional paternal relationship. It's a bit more understandable. Yeah. Um, hereditary? No. Damn. Not bad. Although it's not really a dysfunctional not, paternal relationship. Yeah, no, there's not a lot of speed in <laughs> Frenetic energy spurs yeah. visuals. No guess? No, unfortunately no. not. Passe thespian attains legitimacy. Oh, fuck. Why am I not smart? Um... I'm lost on this one. Silence. No. <laughs> no. No. And for two points. Avian fellow struggles amidst hallucinations. Wait, this is Iron Man. No. No. Oh, wait. <laughs> Fuck. Avian fellow struggles amidst hallucinations. Oh. It's not just one guess each, by the way, if you have other guesses. I know, I'm trying to think of the fucking name of the film. God damn it. Um... I've lost all hope. Okay. It's on you, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to say it and it's going to yeah, be so obvious, like, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, Especially with this last one. Go on then. What's the last one? Birdman. <laughs> Avian kind of, Fellow. I, I never watched that film. Frenetic Energy Spurs Visuals is very good. For yeah, that yeah. One. it is very good. I mean, it's not a good, it's not a useful clue. It's no, just no, a very no, good yeah. set of, a very good way of describing Birdman. I nearly said the name of the next film. <laughs> We're still on four points to Matt. Cool. This one's hard. Not not the whole thing, just this one. Okay. Litigation ensnares characters. <laughs> I mean, quite a lot of films. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure. I'm not sure this this describes this film. <laughs> um, all right, so it's not entirely obvious as to what it should be then, uh, based on what you just said. Um, Litigation ensnares characters. Oh, crap. Any episode of Arrested Development. <laughs> They're all films. It's going to be something dumb like The Incredibles or some shit. Like it's that. not. Damn. Uh, next clue, please. Yeah. Triangular intimacy occurs. Um, what film has three people fucking? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen quite a few in my time. <laughs> uh, fuck's sake. Oh, man. This is like the worst uh, dice roll on disco. It's not working at all. It's sort of like piecing together, so like... Yeah. It's, it's a surprisingly hard game. Yes. Yeah. 
I'm looking for something with a love triangle, but I'm trying to... That is the correct thing to be looking yeah. for. Scott Pilgrim saves? No. Fuck. Twilight? No. No. <laughs> Ingenue expires executing ruse. I don't even know what that first word means. <laughs> Ingenue. Uh, the pink panther. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Ingenue expires executing ruse. So something fucks up trying to trick I think someone? to make this a bit easier, you could... This word is in the script, so you can't probably can't say it generally, but I'll add it. Ingenue expires while executing ruse is what that means. Uh, is it Inception? It's not. <sighs> no, I'm not getting this. I really like this one. Great. Dapper chaps digit detached. <laughs> what? That sounds rad. Dapper um, chaps digit detached. Oh, God. Um, um, is it the prestige? It is the prestige. Fuck. There we go. The final one is conjurers battle fatally. <laughs> Can't believe no one uses the word conjurer in the prestige. Really? I would have said Harry Potter for that. Like an idiot. <laughs> they technically do battle fatally, you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that is eight points Pretty sure to Matt's none got this. for Matt. <laughs> well, you could get this in two clues. Great. Sizable tresses plus lycra. Ant Man. No. Damn. I just I heard size. <laughs> Sizable tresses plus lycra. I feel like I'm in an English test and I'm failing terribly. You are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stick no. to video editing. Casey, you're a naughty bastard. <laughs> Wind it on. What we got next? Flame combatant costumed dalliance. <laughs> this that's impossible. Fantastic Four. <laughs> no. That's a good Ghost guess. Ghost Rider? It's a good guess, but no. Uh, wait, Just say that I mean, again. Flame combatant, or combatant, sorry. Flame combatant costumed dalliance. Oh, God. <laughs> Watch this be a film that I've actually seen. I'm so happy I'm the quiz master for this <laughs> yeah. one. Because it makes me look really smart. <laughs> uh, um... I'm just trying to think of flaming people and nothing comes to mind. Uh, I've got another. I've got nada. No. Nostalgic NES cartridge played. NES NES. Nostalgic NES cartridge played. Is this Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle? It's not. That's it. A, again, not a bad shout. Nope. Um. <laughs> this was so weird. What's that film which had the first ever on-screen footage of Super Mario Brothers, like, three? I don't think it's this. Okay. <laughs> Fuck. It's like some dumb tournament film. Oh, no, 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 it's not that. Okay. Uh, why is that called? The Game Master, it, I don't know. Wizard King. <laughs> generic know. names. Uh, Ready Player One? Not Ready Player One. Not bad shout, again. Grocery Laborers Aortic Challenge. <laughs> Sake. We are now describing what happens is early this, in the film. Is this the final early-ish. clue? No. Got so someone in a grocery store has a heart attack. <laughs> grocery labourers, aortic challenge. Oh, God. Uh, nothing's coming to mind, uh-huh. man. I'm clueless. Grapplers, fateful farewell. I don't know why I want to say Suicide Squad, but I know that's not it's the not answer. It's not Suicide Squad. I just Squad. thought that fucking rope guy who dies. Grapplers, not. fateful yeah, farewell. Rope man. Uh, 
No, no, I've no, got nothing. No, there's no hope. Another word for a grappler. A wrestler. A wrestler. The wrestler oh. with Mickey Rourke. Fuck. <laughs> the grappler. Casey, you've written some hard fucking clues, <laughs> mate. <laughs> right, we're just idiots. Final one. You could still win this, Jesse. Oh, great. Because I of the point the hardest system. clue. I was listening to an old episode of the podcast the other day with a keyword countdown, and I got it on the first one, so you can do it, Jesse. I Great. love keyword countdown, and I miss it. I think my <laughs> problem is that I'm just an idiot. This is actually brilliant, though. I really like this. Mafia bonds create challenges. Goodfellas? I'm very surprised it's not mafia. I'm very surprised the word mafia is not used in this film. That's not as much of a clue as I mean it to be. Or as it sounds like it is. Not Scarface. Godfather? No. I'm pretty sure they use the word mafia in the Godfather. Yeah, I was just wondering, like, maybe they just <laughs> that never would, use that, that word. That would be insane. <laughs> I'm just desperate here, okay? Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, Miller's Crossing. <laughs> not Miller's Crossing. Toy Story. No. Okay. Protagonist resides within Tavern. So someone lives at the pub. Mm-hmm. Always sunny in Philadelphia. No. <laughs> um, no one actually lives in that pub in that in that show. No. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, what's the clue again? Protagonist resides within tavern. Okay. I want to eat this microphone. Frustrated <laughs> I am. <laughs> Strange boy, Jesse. Yeah. I was just born this way, man. Um, I ain't got a clue, dude. No. Juvenile females courted. It's not a nice film. Ooh. <laughs> um, uh, oh, Leon? Not Leon. Oh. That would be juvenile female. Uh, yeah. Leon is disgusting, and I don't understand why people like it. Oh, I really like it. I just think it's, it's, it's got grim is. as fuck. Yeah. Um, what's the new Harley Quinn film? It's not that one. Fuck. Why would the script be online? Because, <laughs> I don't know, it's going to be not a good film anyways. Uh, I'm just going to give up, man. I've lost no. all hope. Titleist's prize demolished accessing gems. <laughs> God. I hope someone at home is actually doing well at this. Yeah, Because I know I wouldn't be someone's either. Someone's going to be like, oh, I've got this. Titleist's prize demolished accessing gems. Hmm. <sighs> Or the Explorer, the film. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. No. Aliens. Oh. No. <laughs> no. Immovable monochromatic pugilist. So. Fuck it, man. I'm, just, I'm done. <laughs> Like, this this game has destroyed Kung me. Kung Fu Panda. Not Kung Fu Panda. That's actually not a bad <laughs> show, though. He is a monochromatic pugilist. No? Just end me, dude. Raging Bull. Oh, I never watched that film. Damn. Guys, guys. I'm sorry, man. Uh, I think the link is, if, if anything, <laughs> even harder than these. Logan, Birdman, The Prestige, The Wrestler, and Raging Bull. They're all people on their way out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going to give you a point for that anyway, because that is a link between all of them. Uh, there's actually two links Casey's put here. I think the first one is mad. Main right. characters are famous slash known in pop culture within the world of film. I mean, that... What? Famous films? You don't I mean, say. I think... Well, as in, like, in 
uh, fucking Raging Bull. He's a famous yeah. boxer. I don't, right? I don't shit know. Like that. Anyway. Oh, within the world. Yeah. Sorry, right. Oh, You've got it. it better than I do. I thought you were saying that means in I deserve a point for that. You can have a point too. Well yeah, done. Yeah. You've, you've worked out the link for me. You've got one point. Sweet. The other one being uh, troubled father-daughter relationships. Uh, but there is one bonus link that I don't think either of you will get. Great. But I love this. The idea for this film, or for this game, uh, came from the fact that Rory said his brother described the prestige to him before he saw it as two wizards doing battle. Right. <laughs> and he was like, gave him the idea of describing movies in an unrecognizable but technically accurate fashion, Fantastic. which I think is brilliant. Casey, I think that's a great game. I think we need to do a bit of work on how insanely yes. hard the clues are. You've made my brain hurt and I feel dumb. I think you could do clearer clues earlier on because just trying to work out what the sentences mean in mm. the first place like graphic novel uh, sorry like elderly psychic executed doesn't immediately make me think of logan but you yeah. can get there eventually yeah. whereas worn skunk bear defends unique youth <laughs> little different casey i love that huh. i loved watching how upset both of my friends were there <laughs> oh, uh two bits of feedback this week jesse first thank you matt second Hello, lads. I'm Bobby from Utah in the US. Feel free to read this in your best American accent. No. No. <laughs> I've been listening since podcast... I thought I said 1999. That wouldn't make sense. 499. I've been listening to other IGN podcasts and wanted more. I've written into those plenty of times, but they never read them. Those <gasps> bastards. He doesn't say that. So I'm hoping this one makes it through. And it has. Congratulations. I appreciate the nod to Smokey the Bear in the last episode. We all know who he is over here. Yes, mate. So we've got your back. In return, I'll use some of your slang to the best of my knowledge in my <laughs> feedback so you can better understand it. Thanks, Here's mate. the real reason I wrote in. Why are remakes okay? It's literally taking someone else's piece of art and saying, I can do better. I'm personally torn on the issue. Square Enix remaking their own game. FF7 is great because it's the original people more or less. And the footage so far looks like a real banger. Congratulations for using banger. Yeah, it works. It's good. Um, so my main argument against it though is that in the is that books will never be remade. Can you imagine if someone decided to just write the Harry Potter series again because they thought it could do better? It would be utter bollocks. Congratulations, <laughs> use that word correctly. Would love to hear your thoughts. I'll cut it here so it's not too long to read on air. Have a good one, mates, and keep making great content. Bobby. Thanks, Bob. You're uh, great. I think this is an interesting argument if... Have books been remade? A little flawed. I mean, there definitely will have been book remakes, but he does raise a point that you don't often see it. Yeah. You like, don't see someone rewriting someone else's story, except, like, Dracula's what? probably been rewritten. But that's isn't that more of just like a... It's because that's really just more about the character, right, and not the exact... Because yeah, Dracula I mean, can be in multiple different stories. I've definitely right? read... So Philip Pullman's um, Frankenstein yeah. is very, very oh, yeah, good. Oh, yeah, shit. Fair enough. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but well, I think was that done as a done as a script rather than a but actually, flowing prose? There is uh, a there is a Frankenstein book by Dean Koontz, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I think there are actually mm -hmm. book remakes. But I mean, origin not, stories would be ones like in comics that always happens all the time, doesn't it? I so mean, people rewrite that... the Bible the whole time. Yeah, so. yeah this is true. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I think the the one that always springs to mind when remakes comes up is that that is an older medium is theatre. Like, yeah, every single production of a Shakespeare mm. is a new person's interpretation of what that script means. Yeah, and, and this is why I think remakes are reasonable at least on a theoretical sense in film and games yeah. because 
technology is key to how these things are made. So, sure. for instance, the fly and the thing, the originals of both of those, are kind of shit. Well, yeah, because they were made in the 50s. <laughs> exactly, yeah. because you can't do justice to those ideas. Mm -hmm, and sure. the thing when it was remade in the 80s is fucking wicked. Great, yeah, and awesome. the fly when it was remade in the 80s is fucking that. wicked. Because they use a lot of tech that wasn't available at the time. Yeah, for sure. Unfortunately, they remade them again. They're not very good. <laughs> and games in particular as well, like... Tech is even more central to those things. So, for instance, like Shadow of the Colossus yeah. is essentially a straight remake mm. in almost all ways. But it is a better game. And it's a game that, crucially, lets this incredible piece of art yeah. get played by a load more people who would otherwise not play it. It's true, and it's probably closer to what the uh, creators had in mind anyways, but the technology wasn't there because the PS2 could not handle mm -hmm. that game for shit. Like, I think, I think there is a point to be made about... Um, particularly in films, I think remakes are getting to a point where it feels like studios are scared of making anything that doesn't already have a fan base. Yeah. yeah. And that is a shame because we lose out on original works of art. For sure. In games, I don't see it as a huge uh, like business problem right now. And yeah. most of the time, I'm actively happy to see it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when the you, Resident Evil 2 remake, that's a fantastic yeah. Yeah. game. No one's complaining that that game got remade. And it's very rare that it feels like the remakes are getting in the way of original stuff being made. Yeah. Like, I don't think we would have had a Zelda game this year, but we got Zelda Link's Awakening as a remake. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, because you can make that again. Mm -hmm. Of course. So it kind of works for me. Yeah. And like Final Fantasy VII, obviously, you know, I've said several times on this podcast, it is one of my most anticipated games of all time and sort yeah. of has been for Five 15 years, years now. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. like, I can't imagine I'd want to play the original just because it's an old turn-based game except the, the remake looks wicked the thing that I quite like about it is, is I still feel like Final Fantasy VII Remake is very much in the spirit of the original thing like it has been made by quite a lot of people that worked yeah. on the original well yeah and that is Bobby's point yeah but like when Final Fantasy VII came out it was like you know, it was a huge turning point for tech, and mm. it originally started as a SNES game, and then it became like this PS1. Really? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. originally being designed for the SNES. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> and then, obviously, like 3D graphics became a, a big thing, and like they were like, we've got so much potential we can unlock by going to PlayStation. Yeah, I sort of think like when you look at like I know it's coming out on PS4, but look at the leaps that we've made even in the last couple of years. Like you look at what God of War did, like it feels like it's a real good time to revisit those that ethos. Yeah. And also it, Final Fantasy 7 is a new game. I found myself yeah. thinking this recently. Look at God of War and then look at Killzone Shadowfall. Yeah. <laughs> it's mad what they've been doing with that thing. Yeah. It's the same box. Yeah, it's I love incredible. It. Um, um, yeah. So yeah, I think like, as you say, like it is a shame, especially in, I always want to point out that like cinema is a lot broader than a lot of people tend to think. Mm. Like yeah, there sure. are at least five or six films that come out every week and very rarely are they a Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah. Cinema as a plethora of amazing things to go and see but I think the blockbuster space which is where a lot of my love for cinema comes from yeah. we are seeing uh, a hesitancy towards making something new and I wish that wasn't the case like, no matter what Scorsese says this is why I value Marvel because they are yeah. A lot of the times they're adaptations, but they are original visions of yeah. something. Like mm. it's the biggest studio making completely new stuff, relatively speaking, yeah. over and over again. They yeah. take they take established characters and sometimes established storylines, but never make them as they are in the comic. Yeah, and you know they're touching people's hearts. I I genuinely mm. think the Marvel films are art. Yeah, like I don't think there's any. Everything's art. Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> But like, well, you know, actually, except <laughs> Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Yeah, that game is that shit on my shoe. <laughs> uh, I thought that was a really interesting point. Um, 
Matt. Right. Have another. Yeah. <laughs> have another interesting point. Uh, got a lovely email here from Ben Woodford, which um, I know we don't typically talk about all the niceties that are in the paragraph at the start. I'm going to read this one because it's Aww. lovely. Hey, guys. First off, I've been listening for years now, and I have to really give your recruitment team a pat on the back. That would be Al. That's just Alex. (laughs) (laughs) It's Alex for 10 years. (laughs) Uh, Because over the years, some of my favorite people have left the pod, and yet everyone you have brought in afterwards as a replacement, I have absolutely loved them all. Legend. And even with an almost completely different cast from when I started listening, this is still my favorite podcast. He started listening back in the days of Kamali and Keza. And on to my stupid question. (laughs) If you guys could create a game and a TV movie mashup for comedy purposes, what would it be? His would be Last of the Summer Wine, where we would see three OAPs, Compo, Foggy and Clegg, trying to deal with the clickers (laughs) and find their way on uh, and on their way to find Nora Batty. I do think the Last of Us Summer Wine (laughs) is a very good joke. (laughs) Um... I don't have a clever title for it, but I have long wished for a version of Theme Hospital that is Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Oh, that would be good. Like, so fucking like good. a comedy management game where you have to deal with like B movie bullshit problems, like Garth <laughs> Marenghi's Dark Place. I genuinely like because Theme Hospital's halfway there already. Yeah, like I think that's a fucking great idea, and you'd have like little. Oh man, I'm just thinking about it now because you'd have the management aspect of trying to make Dark Place actually work. Yeah, but then you'd get moments where like. I don't know, Skipper the Eye Child escapes <laughs> and it becomes an XCOM game with yeah. Garth Marenghi and, and like and Sanchez having to go in and then it becomes like a grid-based battle in a, an operating theatre. Oh, it'd be fucking great. And you just smash him against the sink like he does in the show. Oh, come on. Matthew Holness, make that game. Mm. I'd like some kind of mix of like Roller Coaster Tycoon and a dark comedy where people can't escape. So you want final destina- an actual yeah. Final Destination? Like a, just a nice, light-hearted, but also quite gruesome Final Destination, but just only on one track. I'm sure that must exist, but I'm surprised it hasn't like been a major thing that someone's made a genuinely dark like yeah. murder sim <laughs> tycoon game. Yeah, like which is a shame. Yeah. Let's make it happen, guys. So one of the things that I always talk about that I love so much, um, which I think is best focused on Titanfall 2 is the way that like games that recite that just take ideas they use them and then throw them out in the mm. same way that like Mario was done yeah. for mm. years and stuff like that the television show that I think that does that the best is Community oh shit yeah some sort of and I can't really think of necessarily what the game component of this is <laughs> but something that works like Community does where like every level is just it's completely different like yeah, one right. level is a first person shooter paintball sort of game mm, yeah. but the next one is like the one where they're trying to effectively go to the chicken planet with the the KFC simulator yeah and sort of like that would be I guess more of a maybe a Kerbal Space Program sort of level yes. that sounds like something that could be made in dreams it yeah. actually really does almost yeah. certainly make it happen lads I loved all of those ideas <laughs> yes if we've got any de- developers listening please please <laughs> just my one Garth Marenghi's theme hospital <laughs> Uh, that's all the feedback we've got because the other ones were very spoilery Joker stuff and we've done enough of that recently Mm. Um, thank you very much for joining us I know we didn't actually get to to talk about it but I do feel like we should end uh, with 30 seconds of the theme tune from Succession because it is the best song goodbye bye bye bye